Welcome to the Body by Phil podcast. My name is Phil. I am a personal fitness trainer and a champion natural bodybuilder. But before I became an award-winning trainer, I had to battle a 20-year drug and alcohol addiction. I had to fight obesity, binging, and other eating disorders, and a variety of many serious health issues. Through my unique experiences, I have successfully helped over 400 people reach or exceed their fitness goals. It is my sincere pleasure to help you do the same. Welcome to the Body by Phil podcast. This is Phil. As mentioned in my introduction, I am a personal fitness trainer and a natural bodybuilder. Now, I haven't always been a trainer and a bodybuilder, and I have a little bit of a story that people seem to find inspiring. The idea behind these podcasts is to shed some light on the trials and adversities I had to fight and battle, such as alcoholism, obesity, and several other major health issues that I had to beat in order to become a trainer and a champion bodybuilder. When I tell people about these stories, they're, first of all, they're always very shocked and surprised because what they see in front of them is somebody who's a very health conscious and, and uh, very healthy and I take care of myself. But when I show them my before picture and they see the transformation that I had to go through, they seem to be inspired by this. It, I think it helps to give me some credibility as a fitness trainer that I understand the challenges. I wasn't always health conscious or fit. So it gives me a sense of credibility when people are struggling with their nutrition or their workouts. And I really feel for that. And I know how hard it is that they're working. I know how hard I have to continue to work just to maintain. Um, I'm 50 years old and I got into the fitness game very late in, in my 40s uh, due to a lot of health issues I was having from the things like alcoholism and my eating problems and things like this. So it gives me that um, empathetic view where I can certainly sympathize with these guys and, and see what's going on. Um, I remember early in my training when I was super hungry and I told my trainer, I said, I feel like I'm starving. I need to eat. And I was told to, by my trainer, to eat a cucumber. It was in that moment that I knew that my trainer had absolutely no idea uh, the struggle, the mental struggle I was going through and how difficult it was to go to sleep hungry when I was so used to binge eating on, you name it, sweets were my, were my thing. <clears throat> So the idea behind these podcasts, and people have asked me to write down this story or publish it in some way for several, several years, and I was very hesitant about doing that until I saw that it really did bring hope to people who didn't have a lot of hope, and it did inspire people, and, and it helps people. So I thought, well, okay, let me go ahead and do that, and I'm going to do these in about uh, 10 to 12 different episodes or segments, uh, and like any interesting story, I think it's important to break it down into 
segments and start at the very beginning of how everything all started for me. So that's a little bit of a background on why uh, I'm doing these podcasts, and hopefully you'll find it very informative. Maybe it'll give you um, some hope uh, if you've tried diet and you've tried nutrition and you've tried the health and fitness uh, programs in the past. Maybe you've tried it on your own. Maybe you've had to train yourself um, and you haven't had any success. Maybe this can help you, and I'll open it up uh, so you guys can leave me some messages, and, and I can address certain things for you. I am here to help you. Um, this is my passion. It is what I love to do. I have trained over 400 people since 2013, and I have a very high success rate in training people because of my unique experiences in going through a lot of these battles. Um, I think there's a certain amount of food addiction that was not dissimilar from my drugs and alcohol addictions. When that need hits us and we feel very compelled to give in to that impulse, uh, for an addictive personality, we don't know when to stop. So we just continue to eat. Uh, in many cases, we can eat, we purge, we eat, we purge. We get very um, upset uh depression sets in and for me what I used to do with that is fill that void with more drinking and drugs and food and you would create a vicious cycle until pretty soon the health fades so if by listening to these episodes if it helps people to cope with some of these issues and it helps to bring in some new hope and insights into your your fitness and your health and your goals then by all means, that's, that is my first and foremost intent. So as I said earlier, I'm a natural bodybuilder and a fitness instructor, a personal trainer. The reason I keep putting natural in front of the term bodybuilder is there is a certain stigma, I think, that goes along with the term bodybuilding when we see in our minds that are in pictures, magazines, whatever, these huge, massive guys, these big bodies, even the women that get into bodybuilding, they don't look like women so much sometimes. They're huge. They've lost that soft look. This is not the type of bodybuilding I'm referring to. I'm referring to natural bodybuilding, which does not allow it for any chemical steroids or um, any illegal drugs to get you that big, huge size. What I do is is generate uh, my physique through food and working out and exercise, but primarily through um, healthy eating. So that is the difference between a natural bodybuilder and a bodybuilder that is chemically enhanced. I do not mess with the chemical enhancements. I'd like to start this first episode with a little background into my early childhood because everything's linked. It's all, it's all connected. Um, I've cheated death in my life three times and each time was a closer call to death, I think. Uh, it makes you wonder, why am I still here? You know, why am I still alive? I believe that my sole purpose now in being alive is to pass on these things that I've learned. Um, obesity and unhealthy eating has become such an 
epidemic in this country and around the world that um, we get caught up and confused on how we should be healthy. How can we lose weight safely? Uh, how can we live healthier and feel better? So I didn't learn these habits early in life, and that's what I want to talk about in this first episode, is my early childhood and how I cheated death the first time. I guess it all started June 10th, 1969, which was the day of my birth and almost the day of my death, as I was born prematurely and I had an underdeveloped lung, and it caused me some major breathing problems. But when I was born, um, the doctors had told my parents that I would most likely die within a few short hours, that my hopes of survival were very slim. So as the doctors waited for me to die, my parents prayed for me to live. I heard many years later um, that they actually had a priest come into my room and administer the last rites in case that I did pass away. Well, I, of course, lived. And through that birth defect, though, I have chronic asthma that has bothered me to this day. Uh, it's never gone away. It's gotten better through modern-day medicine and things like this, but it was uh, bad as a kid. I remember um, being hospitalized for weeks at a time, sometimes up to a month or more, being in an oxygen tent and fighting for every breath. Uh, that is a very uncomfortable feeling if you've ever felt that. It feels like there's a plastic bag around your head or like if you're trying to breathe air through one of those little stir straws, you know, you just, it's very, very uncomfortable. And as a child, it's very terrifying, it's very scary too. So my mother, um, she never left my side when I was in a hospital. Every time I would wake up, she would be sitting there. Oftentimes she couldn't touch me or anything through the oxygen tent. They didn't want any, any germs or anything outside of that. Um, to get to me and make things worse so I was very protected but just opening my eyes and seeing my mother there gave me a, a strong sense of relief she was very loving uh, very kind and um, these asthma issues would follow me all through my childhood it made sports very difficult I would try to play football or things like this basketball but because I was always short of breath it was just really, really difficult. So I, I sat on the bench a lot. You know, I didn't get a lot of play time. Backyard playing with the kids, I would try. You know, we would try to do things and play and run around. It was really hard. It was just hard to always having to catch the breath. And the medications that I was on at the time, many of them were experimental. And they're no longer on the market today. They were, you know, things that uh, they, they were trying and steroid-type type things uh, to help open up those airways and things like this. And many of these things, I remember some of these drugs that I was taking would actually give me these hallucinogenic properties. At night, I'd, I would be laying in, in bed, and, and I would, uh, my mother would shut the lights off, and I would see vivid um, images. And it was terrifying. It's like having a, a night terror when you're wide awake. And as a kid, and you're you know five, six years old, you're trying to explain to your parents that I'm seeing these things coming out of the walls and out of the ground, and these 
images and they're just thinking you're having a nightmare but you know that you're wide awake it wasn't until again later that you found out that these medications were taken off the market and they had hallucinogenic um, properties to them and, and things like this that they would never give to a child today but life went on and I learned to cope and as medicines got better you know the symptoms were able to be treated much better and um, I wouldn't have as many flare-ups and things like this so it was just something I had to deal with and something I still deal with today now I come from an Italian family and anybody who's come from an Italian family you know you learn a couple things early on in life you learn discipline and respect uh, you learn how to work hard in my family and probably one of my most favorite things that I learned early in life was food. Uh, in Italian household, especially on Sunday dinners, food was always a huge uh, event, really. Um, talking about homemade pastas and meatballs and sauce and sausages and breads, butters, oils, uh, great desserts. I mean, you know, just what you would imagine. But the one thing that I, I learned is how to eat even when I'm not hungry. This was just, we would eat way past the point of being full and keep going. And then a couple hours later, just out of, because food was available, out of habit, you go back and eat more. It wasn't even hungry, but it was there. I was fortunate enough that food was never an issue in, in our house. We had a very big family and the refrigerator was always packed. There was always all kinds of stuff. And we were, the refrigerator door was always open. It was never closed. Everybody in my house was always eating. By the time we were chewing our breakfast, we were planning our lunch. Okay. One of these deals. And I remember as a kid when I'd have people come over and they would come over for dinner or have a sleepover and they'd see all this food, they'd say, why is there so much food on the table? And, you know, it's just how we ate. We just always food. But what it did, I mean, as great as those memories are, what it really did, though, is teach me some of these, these bad eating habits early. And when you're a kid, it's not so bad because your metabolism's high, you know, you're growing, so you don't see a, a lot of weight gain or anything like that early on. But when you when you get into the adult years and you start to eat poorly or overeat then you know the obvious starts to happen now in high school I was very self-conscious I was very skinny and the older I was getting I mean I was getting taller and leaner and males on the side of my family were pretty big guys too you know my dad and his father these guys weren't small at all they were they were pretty overweight but in high school I was very self-conscious and skinny and it's kind of funny to look back now. They didn't have all the different types of protein powders and pre-made protein drinks and things like this. They just had a couple on the market. And these were more for athletes. These were weight gainers more than anything. So I remember I went and I bought a tub of weight gainer. And there was a staggering 10,000 calories in one shake. And I used to drink one or two of those a day you know, in a desperate attempt just to put on some weight. I want, I didn't want to be skinny. I would hear people all the time say, you're so skinny, you're so skinny, eat, eat. And in an Italian family, I mean, you're always getting that, eat, eat. And um, so I, I always felt like I was really too thin. So 
I would try to drink these shakes and nothing would happen. I would try to eat, nothing would happen. So, you know, just one of those things. Well, when you take away your metabolism, okay, as a child, and when you start going into that adulthood and you eat the same as you did when you were a kid, overeat, a lot of sugar, a lot of carbohydrates, things like this, and your metabolism's no longer growing, you know, the obvious is going to start to happen. You're start, going to start to gain weight. This really didn't happen until I, after I had graduated, and I'm going to give you a little foreshadowing here. When I'm on stage, when I'm competing in my natural bodybuilding shows, I weigh 178 pounds. This is where I feel I look the best, the sharpest, the muscles show the most definition, and I'm the most symmetrically correct. I look the best. At my worst, when I was in my 40s, I tipped a scale over 300 pounds. In high school, I was 168 pounds when I graduated. That's very lean. So I went from 168 pounds to over 300 in a really, really fast time frame. I'm going to get to all of that in in my next my next podcast in my second episode where I'll touch on my military experience and <clears throat> when I started drinking. I never drank uh, in my in high school. I had a lot of friends, even in eighth and ninth grade. You know, they'd go to parties and they would drink and get high and do these things. I didn't do any of those things. I didn't partake in any of that. I didn't start really. Um, doing that sort of thing until way after graduation. In fact, uh, really, I was in the military. I was 18, 19, 20 years old before I really started to dabble in some of these bad things other than eating. That was always an issue. So that's a little background on my early childhood. Uh, Beating death for the very first time was the day of my birth, and I learned how to eat improperly at a very young age and those habits lasted me all of my adult life. I mean, I always just overate and ate badly. And we're going to touch on um, other things and how these things progressed in my life in the episodes to come. There's some pretty shocking things that that come up in these next episodes uh, that I was very hesitant about about doing my life was there were some dark times in there and they all contributed to the drug alcohol and my obesity they're all interconnected and this is not meant to be a tale of woe it's just the opposite it, it I turned everything around at late in my life and through the bad came the good I had to go through certain really dark times and hit truly rock bottom before I was able to dig it out. And now I've dedicated the rest of my life to helping other people do that very thing. Hopefully get you to the right track before you have to hit that rock bottom. There is um, many more near-death experiences, DUIs, jail, violence. I have hit bottom. When I say I've hit bottom, you'll see. So stay tuned for the next episode of the Body by Phil podcast, episode one, just a little prolong of my life and early childhood, 
And as we go into the second one, I'll be talking about my military experience, the things I saw, and how I started to use drugs and alcohol to be a coping mechanism. Thank you for, for listening to The Body by Phil. Feel free to please uh, leave me some messages if there's anything I can help you with, with diet, nutrition, working out, or you want to talk about anything whatsoever with the health and addiction recovery. Just uh, give me a shout out. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.